hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire Signature NHL Hockey Pod Podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host, as always, is AJ Scholes, who's a great follow at AJ Scholes24. That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z, or Z, 24, based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, near Rotowire headquarters over in Madison, Wisconsin. And uh, today, AJ, I want to open up by saying, you know, we got about a month left in the regular season. Just a, uh, and it's a time where you can certainly see, based on what uh, scoring summaries are showing in the last week or so, that the big shooters and the star players are really ramping things up. There's a lot of guys that have led their teams in scoring who are, are their signature players. We're going to talk about them. But there's a few lesser lights that, with opportunities coming their way, have also uh, piled up some stats. We'll talk about all of them, touch on injury notes, and I know you've got a bit of exciting news for us later in the show, and I hope all our listeners hang around for that. So, partner, we'll begin with a look at the playoff races in the Eastern Conference. It's all said and done. We know the eight teams. We've known the eight teams for some time that are going to qualify, but the races are so tight, one to four in each division, that we don't yet know who's going to get home ice and who's going to get fourth place and if there's a crossover in the wild card situation at all. So some intrigue remains there. I want your thoughts on what you envision for the Western Conference from today going forward. Yeah, I mean, for for starters in the East, like you said, I mean, it's it's all but all but wrapped up there. Um really the only question comes, you know, can Boston, you know, Boston and Washington can either of them track down a, a top three spot. It's certainly not out of the question for for either one, um, which if you get into three, you kind of avoid Carolina or Florida in the first round. Seems pretty likely that that those will be the, th- you know, the uh, teams that get the one seed and or one and two or whatever. Um, so, yeah, so just some shuffling around. So, again, some excitement, but yeah. 100% the biggest uh, kind of excitement is over in the West, other than the fact that Colorado is going to be the number one seed. That's pretty straightforward at this point. Um, I would expect we're going to see a heavy dose of, you know, the big name netminders here. Um, and in that, you know, the only team, obviously Colorado, like Pablo Francis is playing tonight. So they're probably going to back off a little bit on, um, Darcy Kemper there, but, you know, Calgary probably can't, you know, jump back on using Markstrom too much. He's already played a ton this year. He's one of seven guys over the 50 game mark. Um, Same goes, you know, obviously we should see a ton of Robin Leonard here down the stretch with Vegas trying to hold on to that spot. Connor Hellybuck will play a bunch for Winnipeg. They're not out of it and, and certainly could push for that spot. So that's probably the biggest impact, you know, straight straight up is that we'll see the starting goalies a little bit more. Um, obviously, skaters play every day if, if, if they're healthy and available. So it shouldn't change too much up from, from that standpoint in terms of, you know, potential fantasy impact there. Yeah, AJ, my take on the Eastern Conference is, uh, noting that all things are almost said and done, and it's just about about where teams finish. There's a lot of message sending going on in the head-to-head battles. I know in a couple of recent games where I watched the Leafs play Boston and Florida, uh, and and they sent a strong message to Boston that you know we got firepower and we'll blow you out if you if you take stupid liberties. And they did, and they had them down six to one halfway through right in Boston. And in Florida, it was a very entertaining game. And again, 
People maligned the Leafs' defense and the goaltending, but they took the NHL's top team in the Eastern Conference, for my money, and uh, they uh, they kind of had their way with them as well. That's not to say the Leafs rule the roost. I still think Tampa's a team to watch, and they, they're getting things in order, AJ, and all their star players are pouring it on. That's going to be the theme of our show, actually. You're going to hear a lot of the top scorers are doing it right now, and Tampa's a fine example when you start to see who's leading their attack and who's doing it every night of late and uh, really a, a message of their own sense that the two times defending champs are here to defend that with a vengeance. In Carolina, there's a bit of a concern there that they've slid a little bit, and they're only 4-3-3 three, and three in their last 10 games played, but I agree with you. I think they've still got enough to hold off the Rangers. That team is on fire right now. As you know very well, they took the, the measure of the Penguins twice in the last week and a half, and they're 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. But I'm not discounting Pittsburgh and their star power. I've defended them actually more than you on the DFS show <laughs> in the mornings, and I'm surprised by that. You might be a little bit more wary, but I have a lot of faith in the star power that the Pens will trot out. And I think that your team still want to be reckoned with and not to be fearful of the Rangers, even despite the recent losses against them. Washington the term might be the term might be salty, Paul. That's uh, that's how I'm feeling about those those games, which is probably why I'm on the other side is I'm I'm salty. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, two losses will do that to you, but they were narrow defeats in my opinion. And so there's not much to choose. And that's really the theme of the Eastern Conference. And in the one division from first to fourth, there's a difference of of nine points between Florida and Boston. And in the Metro division, as we speak, it's 12 points. So not a huge margin in either case. And I don't know anybody. The the lowest team out of the eight is the Washington Capitals. And I don't think anybody's lining up to play them and face the star power that they offer. And the goaltending has been in good hands for much of the season there. So there's no easy outs in the Eastern Conference. And some really good teams are going to be out at the end of the first round. That's a shame and, and might be worth addressing in the offseason. If the NHL chooses to revamp the playoff structure, I'd love to see that. But on the other hand, I do like the rivalries that are created and will only be fueled by some of the matchups that we can anticipate in these two divisions. So lots to look forward to in the last month of the season and then beyond in the postseason, AJ. But I can't get into the show without ranting a little bit, okay? And I know it's a bit of homerism that's going to come out, but you're going to tell me if I'm right or wrong here. We've had a couple of incidents involving Maple Leafs in the last few weeks, dating back to the Heritage Classic, where Austin Matthews got a two-game suspension for an admittedly severe check, or severe-looking check on Rasmus Dalin of the Buffalo Sabres. He got a two-game suspension. AJ had no quarrel with that because it was a deliberate attempt to, to smack this guy and leave a mark. And because it was a retaliation over some jousting that was going on. So I, I was hoping that he would get by with a suspension only uh, without a suspension, only because Dalene did not miss a, a second of ice time in that game. He played the next shift when all was settled down after, after the incident. Meanwhile, at the end of the, not even before they signed off the air, the player department of player safety had already determined that Austin Matthews was going to get a phone call. And that meant a suspension. Then we go fast forward to a couple of days ago against Boston. The Maple Leafs are in Boston and they're routing the Bruins. There's an incident along the boards where Lebushkin, the Leafs defenseman, hit Taylor Hall as he was turning against the boards. It wasn't a full-on behind-the-back hit, and he got him really good. He's a very physical defenseman. He got him really good, but Hall got up immediately, and as Lebushkin was skating away, this guy reached around and punched him in the side of the head. And Lubushkin went down, and he stayed down. Further to that, we get news today. He's out 
with an undetermined injury for an undetermined length of time. What was the penalty for Hall? A $5,000 fine. I call BS. What do you think? Um, well, I will say that Taylor Hall may have benefited from having a penalty called on the play. Um, cause he did get a, a two minute penalty for roughing. Um, so that, that, that may be the benefit. Cause if you recall, um, Matthews did not, there was no penalty called either way on that incident. So it's, it's possible that that factored in it. It wasn't a long penalty. So I'm, um, yeah, I, I think of a, a suspension probably would have been warranted. Um, you know, the playing devil's advocate here, the mitigating factors, the check from behind being dangerous, um, you know, and, and, but is the NHL then sending the message, right? That like, well, if you get checked from behind, you can turn around and swing at a guy. Well, um, so, you know, I, I see both sides of it. And I think, a, a you know, a one game suspension probably wouldn't have, I would not have been surprised or complained if, if Hall had got hit with a game, maybe two um, for it in part, because we are dealing with, with an injury here, Labushkin not going to play um, tonight. So two points for you to consider. In the Matthews incident, Matthews was cross-checked twice to the point where he was knocked off his feet and into the net, into the Buffalo net, before he got up and he hit the guy back. So there was some force and some fouling going on against him before he had the audacity to take his stick and shove it at the guy's throat. Both were egregious acts, in my opinion. You get hit with three cross-checks in the sequence, you're going to get pissed off. And that's what Matthews did. And so he lit the fire. And he paid the price for getting a hit like that. But then Matthews got the suspension. Darlene got off free. So there was tit for tat there. And there was tit for tat in the other incident that happened most recently, except for the fact that Hall didn't get a suspension. And uh, Jeremy Jacobs is a very tight with Gary Bettman. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I, w- I would also point out, and this shouldn't be a factor, but Matthews did it in a nationally televised outdoor yeah. game. Yep. <laughs> a lot of high um, so, you know, that's – it shouldn't be a factor, but <laughs> – It is. No question. AJ and, and I was ticked because uh, it seems the Leafs got the short end of the stick twice. And, uh, I'm not waiting for a third time before I'm I – I'm pretty it. sure Darlene got the short end of the stick. <laughs> <laughs> True, but like I said, he didn't miss a second of play. So there is that aspect. In any case, I had to get it off my chest – once and for all, I did a little bit earlier today on the, in the last couple of days on the DK Sweat Show, and uh, I think it makes for good entertaining talk to get fired up about with things once in a while. We both do, and and uh, today was my turn, pal. But uh, in any case, I'm ready to roll along now. I got it off much feeling better now, and looking forward to tonight's hockey action. We're going to get there with our DFS stuff, but uh, we're going to get back to our original format, AJ, where we go back and forth on the the status of the various clubs. We haven't touched on them for a couple of weeks now, but uh, there's a tough time going on in Anaheim, and uh, I couldn't think of anything to help you out here. They're winless in 10 games. What do you got to say? Uh, yeah, I know I know you wanted to just skip them and go straight to Arizona, um, such as your disdain for the Anaheim Ducks here, but um, <laughs> I, I kid, I kid. Um, you know, I will say a, a couple of good things uh, for them in, in terms of the injury front. Sonny Milano, is back in the lineup. He played on Tuesday. 
Um, they also got back Ryan Getzlaff. He's played in, in their last two games. Um, Eero Vakanenen played as well. He uh, had been dealing with an injury uh, after that trade to Boston or from Boston rather. So they're getting to see some, uh, some of these guys in the lineup again, looks like Adam Henrique could play tomorrow. So they, the fact that they're adding some of these people could help um, maybe them break out of, of this slump, but uh, you know, there's not going to be a ton to talk about Anaheim here moving forward, maybe in the right matchup in a, in a DFS setting, they could uh, you could consider using them. But for the most part, um, things are all wrapped up except the except the crying in Anaheim. That's right. And maybe Arizona's not far behind. They went one, two, and one last week. And Nick Ritchie, whom they acquired from the Maple Leafs, has been scoring quite crazy. He's got the 10 goals all of a sudden. Got two more last week. Jan Yenick added two goals for this club. Nick Schmaltz has been a scoring revelation. We expected him to be one of the scoring leaders at the beginning of the season. He waited till the second half to flex those muscles, and uh, this week might have been a highlight of that with four points himself. But another guy who picked up three assists is a guy whose career I think we might be seeing coming to an end or certainly an end in, in Arizona, and that's Phil Kessel, who's near and dear to both of us for playing both in Toronto and Pittsburgh. But Phil has had a very quiet year offensively, AJ, and uh, only seven goals, 42 points, which is nice. The assists are nice, but he's known for being a goal scorer, and uh, that part of the game seems to have been evaporating this year. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what's next for Phil, but the news is worse on the injury front for this team. They had a couple of signature player go- players go down as Clayton Keller has suffered a broken leg. He's going to be out for six months, which, if the timeline is correct, should get him on he should be aiming for opening night of next year at best i think is the certain or maybe at worst it's four to six months is is the timetable but uh, we hope for a speedy and complete recovery for a guy who can be a signature considered a signature player for this club and right behind him lawson kraus broke his hand and he's done for the season too so two key parts of their offense will miss and miss the regular part regular season finale for this club and they might be going through something like anaheim uh, has been going through recently uh, as we look ahead for both clubs, I guess. Take us to a contender and talk about Boston, pal. <laughs> yeah, so for the Bruins, we'll talk about a little bit of uh, injury concerns here. Uh, Craig Smith will be out of the lineup tonight. He's under the weather, so you would imagine um, that that won't be too long of an absence. Nick Felino is dealing with a lower body injury also won't play, but they have labeled him day to day, so it's possible he'll be ready to go in time uh, for for their next game on Saturday. So two players to kind of watch that are dealing with injuries. Um, Otherwise, things are pretty much running smoothly there. The top guys continue to produce. Pasternak this past week, five goals to assist. Taylor Hall, your favorite uh, player with five points there. Jake DeBrusque, who was, you know, rumored to be, uh, you know, they were going to try and trade him. They were going to move him. He has two more goals in the last two games, so uh, really seems to be fitting in well on that top line. And no doubt part of the reason that they gave him uh, some additional money uh, on, a, on an extension here right before the deadline. So all, all signs point to things rolling pretty smoothly here. Jer, Jeremy Swayman was looking really, really good. Um, he had lost just one game in 11 appearances, uh, not so well in that Toronto matchup, giving up six goals on 25 shots before getting the hook. But ultimately, I think we'll still see plenty of him down the stretch. It looks like 
They've been doing about every third game for Venus Olmark, but I would expect Swayman to be their goaltender uh, come the, the playoffs. AJ, we've talked about the heavyweights of this division all season long, but I don't think it's be long before the Buffalo Sabres at least push these teams, uh, maybe even as soon as next year. And I think it's because of the offense that's coming together here. I like the look of this club. They've won six of their last 10 games. And some of their offensive leaders have been regular contributors here. You're looking at Jeff Skinner. We've talked about the resurgence that he's shown. Maybe the, one of the top candidates for the not exist, non-existent comeback player of the year. But he led the club with another three goals and one helper last week. Ditto for Kyle Pozo. He, he might be in the top five in the league for comeback player of the year, but he's behind Skinner in my estimation. Both of those guys scoring regularly, though, for this club and giving them hope for the future should they continue that trend next season and beyond. I think the Sabres offense is in good hands with them and a couple other guys that we've talked about regularly in, in Tuck and Skinner since they uh, – Tuck and uh, Thompson, who have uh, uh, been helpful to this club's offense all year long. So things are looking up in Buffalo, and uh, they're going to be hunting for a goalie in the offseason, I do think, because Craig Anderson at 40 years old, not the long-term answer there, but uh, the news is decent. They went 1-0-3 last weekend, so uh, good signs point, pointing forward. Yeah, I'll just follow up on that. There actually are some talks about them trying to re-sign Craig Anderson for next season. That doesn't mean they're not in the market for a goalie. Um, I would guess it would be, you know, a, a one-year deal is kind of another holdover to kind of have him hold down the fort while they continue to find a, a long-term solution for that. Just interesting tidbit to come out today. In Carolina, unfortunately, we have some bad injury news to report. Uh, Jesper Kotkanemi going to be out two to three weeks. Um, so that'll be, you know, kind of this push run before the postseason uh, with, with an injury there. They are going to get Jordan Martinuk back tonight. He'll be ready to go. Um, so one in, one out uh, in in those kind of bottom six roles for them. As far as the last week went, a 2-2-0 week. And again, a lot of the same guys uh, at the top here producing. You've got uh, Aho with four points, Sveshnikov with three, Martin Nekash with five points this last week, Nino Niederreiter picking up four goals um, they shuffled things around with that Kotkanemi injury. Um, they're going to go with Andrei Svechnikov, Vincent Trocek, and Max Domi as the second line here. And I got to be honest, I actually kind of like that. Um, Domi has been pretty quiet since uh, since getting to, to Carolina, two assists in, in four games, um, both of which came in the same game. Uh, so I like the kind of move to get him maybe shooting the puck a little bit more with those guys. And, and that's really what needs to happen for him. He's got just three shots in those four games. Uh, needs to be putting a lot more rubber on the net and possibly could, you know, maybe do that with Kanemi out it could, with the new roles. And, and so we'll see how that plays out for him. Yeah, I think that's a great point to keep an eye on what Domi does there and how he fits in. I already voiced my concern when the trade was made and we analyzed it last week, but the early returns not too impressive and uh, you just hope that he doesn't take away from what that team is trying to do. Uh, that'll be something that I'll watch very closely. And I know you will too. In Calgary, we're talking about a team that's been red hot for a long time, AJ, and they've kind of separated themselves in the Western Conference and the, in their division and one of the top teams in the league all year long on the strength of the top scoring line that they could, they feature every night, Lindholm, Kachuk, and Gaudreau. And surprise, surprise, in a 2 and one week, 
uh, those guys factored into the offense. They combined for a total of of uh, 18 scoring points uh, on the week. Kachuk with three goals, four assists. Lindholm with three goals. And Gaudreau with a goal and seven helpers. But they're getting secondary scoring as well from Michael Backlund, who has locked down the second-line scoring role. And Noah Hannafin actually is chipping in some offense from the back end. I still, whenever I see his name, though, I can't help but think when the Leafs were in the draft in his year, they were considering him or Mitch Marner. And uh, I have to thank uh, the hockey gods for bringing Mitch to Toronto. And uh, Hannafin, a a stout defensive defenseman, but I wouldn't have picked him that high. Uh, and certainly wouldn't have picked him over over Marner. And anyway, the fortunes for Calgary look go- very good. But I, I'm also concerned for Jacob Markstrom. AJ, he picked up. He appeared in all three of the games last week, giving up nine goals against though. And uh, and he's not recorded a shutout in a while. I think I think he's due a rest. I would like to see him get maybe even a week off just to recharge because he's one of those guys that that we projected to play a ton of games. Not many goalies do anymore. But now that they're in good shape, I think they got to take the, the, the gas pedal down and, and give this guy a bit of a breather down the stretch, in my opinion. Well, for Chicago, uh, you know, a middling week again, 1-1-1 one, one, and one was the record. DeBrincat had a really solid week, uh, three goals and three assists there. Jonathan Taves with three points, Patrick Kane with five, Dylan Strome with four. This team's just not very deep outside of those those handful of guys, and, and that's part of the, the problem there. Obviously, the other issue for the Blackhawks is goaltending. It's why they brought in Marc-Andre Fleury in the first place. You look at Kevin Lankinen's last eight games here, he's allowed four or more goals in uh, six of those contests, including getting hung for a sixth spot um, against Buffalo, not a team that you would have expected necessarily – to, to shell um, him to that level. And so it does speak to, obviously, you know, Fleury had his struggles there as well. So, you know, you can't lay it all on the feet of Lankinen. They, they clearly have some defensive issues that, that they need to address. Um, but he hasn't been good even when getting these opportunities. So um, they're probably, for the most part, in terms of fantasy value here, an ignore team for the rest of the year. Um, except for those handful of guys, like I said, to bring Cat, Strom, Taves, and, and Kane. Um, you know, maybe maybe you take a shot at like a Kuba Leak when he's playing with with Jonathan Taves. Um, but that you know, that's maybe about it in terms of the the fantasy value for the Blackhawks right now. And uh, Columbus is a team in trouble too. It might put them in with the uh, le- the teams that we started the show with Anaheim and Arizona. AJ. They are on a four-game winless streak, and uh, the news from the infirmary is, is kind of central to what's going on there. Boone Jenner out week to week with a back injury. I'm suggesting maybe his season is done with that diagnosis, so not a good situation there. And then Zach Wierenski is a guy who is the linchpin of their blue line, and he too is going to miss out on their current road their road trip they're about to embark on. So he'll be out at least a week with his undisclosed injury at the moment, and so that's two of their signature players missing and you wonder where the scoring is going to come from. But there is some good news to report. I, I like the way that Oliver Bjorkstrand has been such a consistent scorer for this team, a, a nice season that he's put together here, uh, an emerging talent. He's got 50 points on the year and 24 goals. Uh, very good look for, for a guy who figures to be a top six player here for, for the foreseeable future. And on the blue line, they've been looking for support for the aforementioned Wierenski in terms of scoring from the back end. And I'm going to suggest that they may have somebody in-house that will take on that responsibility going forward based on what we've seen 
from recent weeks, and that is uh, Vladislav Gavrikov, two goals and one assist last week to build on what he's done on the season. A credible performance when you consider a possible offensive sport from the blue line. 29 points in 65 games all told. And a minus one on a team that has given up far more goals than, it, than they've scored is another good sign that they have something pretty special possibly in Vladislav Gavrikov behind Wierenski. A nice one-two on the back end here in Columbus. Well, if you want to talk about a fan base that's thanking the hockey gods right now, that would be the Colorado Avalanche. Nathan McKinnon will be in the lineup tonight. And this comes after initially uh, the Jared Bednar there, they asked him what his concern was about McKinnon's injury. He classified it as high. Um, so they were very clearly expecting him to miss some time. He flew back to Colorado early to get evaluated for that upper body injury stemming from that, that fight with Matt Dumba. And fortunately, he is in the clear, going to be in the lineup tonight, um, set to take on that, that first line role, should be with you know Rantanen um, and Valerian Nanushkin. It'll be Burakovsky with Kadri and Artur Lekinen there. Um, obviously, McKinnon will be back on that top uh, top power play unit as well. And while they have plenty of other guys, McCarr had two goals, one assist in their last three games, Rantanen with four points, the aforementioned Kadri with five. Um, They have plenty of offensive pieces here, but Nathan McKinnon is really the linchpin of this team, both the power play leader in the locker room, obviously as their captain. And I think this team is capable of really only handling his absence when they have both Landeskog and Rantanen. We saw that last year. Um, but with Landeskog already out, I don't think Rantanen is necessarily the guy that could carry the load for them there, you know, pretty much solo. I, Kadri stepped up really well last time McCarr was out. Um, but again, he was playing with Rantanen and Landeskog. So uh, I think it would have been a pretty significant blow for them. Fortunately, they've avoided it. Uh, as I mentioned before, they're going to rest Darcy Kemper tonight give Pavel, Pavel Francouz a start. So that'll be good for them on that one. I think really at this point, the only kind of big uh, issue they're waiting on is to eventually here get Sammy Garrard back in the lineup or, uh, you know, what uh, maybe if they can get Landeskog at some point. I don't think we've completely ruled him out for the season, um, more a, a playoff addition for them. And in Dallas, I mean, I, I just talked about a Carolina Cal- Calgary club that can, uh, pull back on their goal, first string goalie. I don't think Dallas has that luxury, AJ. Certainly they picked up Scott Wedgwood to be the backup goalie in a situation where looks like Braden Holpe's out for the rest of the year. He's landed on LTIR for this club, so we don't expect him to return likely for the rest of the regular season schedule. That means all the pressure, uh, as long as Dallas is in contention, will fall on the shoulders of Jake Ottinger, who's played the bulk of the games most recently and allowed either two or three goals in each contest, no more or no less. So it's consistency that they're getting from him uh, rather than lights-out performance, but certainly good enough to keep him in all those games, I'll say, as long as he keeps it at three or under, giving them a chance. But it, uh, the offense was supposed to get a bit, a bit of a boost from a guy like Vladislav Nemestikov, who they picked up, and he's put in a top-six role. But he, like Max Domi, hasn't shown a thing for his new club. Uh, a paltry couple of shots in his first three games, a minus one in each of those same contests. So not very good in terms of the early returns. And they're really lucky that they got they got a guy like Joe Pavelski, who just keep, could, continues to produce for this club. And J- Jason Robertson also having a nice regular season for this team. Rupe Hintz's development is continuing. 
the the disappointments for me have to be that Tyler Sagan and uh, Alex Radulov, they're not near what they were in the last couple of seasons for this club. And Sagan is the guy that really has to turn that up a notch. I think the end is near for Radulov. I'll say that. Well, Detroit played games um, and they did not go well. That's that's about all you can really say for them. Uh, looking at their last four games, which they, they've lost all four, um, they gave up five to the Islanders, two to the Lightning. I'll, I'll say that was actually a pretty good game to only allow two goals to the Lightning in an overtime loss. Um, they also gave up five to the Rangers. Um, they did take that game to overtime as well, but still giving up five goals. Um, and then they gave up 11 to the Penguins in there as well. So, um, yeah, Detroit played games. They uh, are going to get through the rest of the season. It's very clear to me um, that Dylan Larkin isn't 100%. He's been pretty much um, skipping a lot of practices, a lot of maintenance days um, for him. So he's clearly not 100%, obviously healthy enough to play, um, but not, and not I think, uh, you know, at the level that that you would hope out of him. Uh, and it, it's reflective in the fact that he has just one goal in his last 13 games. Um, he's got, you know, he's got six, uh, six points over that stretch, but um, just one point in his last four. So again, I, I really think, you know, it's indicative of, of him dealing with something, whatever it is, obviously not bad enough to take him out of the lineup, but um you know, they do have two games this next week against Ottawa. Then they've got Boston and Winnipeg. Um, so could have some chances to pick up wins, but they're obviously not going to make the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, they'll they'll keep playing hockey for another month, and then that'll be it. <laughs> and, AJ, the next club that we'll talk about, the Edmonton Oilers, hopes to play much longer than that the rest of the season. They're doing everything that they can to try and hold on to a playoff spot. They're currently third, and on the strength of a nice three-in-one week, they – they solidified that position a little bit, and uh, I watched the, uh, the LA game against Edmonton. That was that really had a lot of emotion in it, partner. And uh, I think we're going to look forward to much, many more of those games for the contending teams out west, as we implied earlier on in the show. But I have I have to think about who do you think is the MVP of this team when you consider Dry Settles on the verge of a 50 goal season. He's got 97 points. Connor McDavid has 100 points. If you had to choose one or the other now, I don't think it's automatic that McDavid gets the nod because uh, even in DFS play, the goals count so much more than the assists. And uh, Drysaddle's kind of lapped the captain here. But uh, that's not the only bit of news I want to highlight. I want to give uh, some shine some light on Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who had a four-point week and it, it not coincidental with this t- team winning three out of four. He was injured, and then prior to that, in- that injury situation, he had another nice scoring streak where the team was doing well. So he's been very valuable to the fortunes of this club, certainly in the shadows of the other two guys, but somebody that you shouldn't discount when it comes to DFS play. And you can even look at the si- sidekicks, Hyman with four point, Gutierrez with three. They're going to come in cheap more often than not. So if you're stacking the Oilers, you get balanced by looking at Puyarvi and Hyman in your DFS plays. For Florida, um, it's been pretty much an offensive story of late. Um, you know, you look uh, at what some of those those guys have done down there. Um, pretty big numbers. Jonathan Huberdeau with seven points. Claude Giroux, no goals in his last four, but five assists over that stretch. Barkov, four points. Um, you know, the list, the list goes on and on. And they've been needing that 
to win games, to be perfectly frank here. Uh, looking at Sergei Bobrovsky's numbers over this, this last stretch, uh, he's on a six-game winning streak, but that comes despite uh, four games, the, each of the last four, in which he's given up three or more goals here. So they're, they're powering past teams right now. Um, but ultimately, like if Bobrovsky's continuing to win, I'm not sure they're going to switch over um, to a Spencer Knight. Uh, you know, they have them available, but, um, you know, the, the wins are there. It doesn't, you know, doesn't matter how they come. Kind of um, less than stellar news on Aaron Ekblad. He's not skating yet, so still um, being held out there. So obviously he's not really near returning. They've got injuries to guys like Patrick Hornquist, Anton Liddell, um, you know, a couple minor, you know, minor guys. I did notice today they're going to switch things up. They've been using Claude Giroux on that top line. They're going to have him anchor the center position here alongside Jonathan Huberdeau and, and Ryan Lomberg, which gives them Sam Bennett and Anthony Duclair as like a third line um, pairing. And I, I kind of like it. I mean, you look, you know, you've got um, Barkov and Reinhardt, Giroux and Huberdeau, Bennett and Duclair three lines of, of these kind of top pairs. And then, um, you know, Verhege, Lomberg and, and Marchman spread out respectively through the top three lines. So um, it'll be interesting to see how this new shakeup works. Definitely something to be aware of when you're building those DFS lineups. Uh, make sure you're heading over to rotowire.com to see the latest combos there to figure out which guy you want to um, stack with who. AJ, I mentioned that I watched the LA game against Edmonton and the Kings are, holding off the Oilers with a narrow second-place edge of late, but they're facing a long injury list. They went into the game with a long injury list, and they came out with the same. Blake Lizotte out at center, Dustin Brown on, out on the wing. Dustin Brown actually was moved to the IR. And on the blue line, they're missing, of course, their signature player on the back end, Drew Doughty, who also was moved to out, uh, the IR, but he still is eligible to come off soon. And uh, that is probably the best news of all for this club that, as I say, we didn't project them to be this high in the standings, but they're showing why. And they showed why in this game, too. They limited Edmonton at one point in the first half of the third period to no shots on goal. And that was keyed by the great work of Kopitar and Deneau in checking roles that they checked the Oilers right into the ice over that stretch and didn't give them an inch. And at the same time, they led the way to 12 shots at the other end of the ice. You would have expected the, re- the reverse, given Edmonton was the home team with all the firepower that they have. But this shows you the danger that's inherent with this L.A. club. And that's with those two guys at center. Can you imagine Quinton Byfield, once he gets a few more reps, this guy's a Hulk um, in, at center on the third line. Reminds me of Tage Thompson in Buffalo, who I've waxed poetic about for a long time. A guy with that kind of size and good hands, they're hard to find. And so... L.A. with that great look at center is uh, set for a while as long as all, all those three guys can get healthy and stay healthy. But they need help from the infirmary, and that's uh, that's the wild card going forward the rest of the way for this club, I think. Well, for Florida, uh, Minnesota, rather, it's, it's hard not to talk about the goalies here. Um, there's certainly plenty of other guys. Kaprasov had seven points uh, this past week. Fiala with five. Joel Eriksson-Eck with um, with five as well. Um, but you bring in Marc-Andre Fleury, 
Um, he gets two wins, three goals allowed in, in those two games. But Cam Talbot's continuing to roll here as well. Um, he's on an eight-game winning streak. And, in fact, Talbot's going to get the net tonight uh, with the Penguins coming to town. A little bit interesting that they made that choice. Um, but they'll uh, they'll probably continue to split these guys up a little bit and maybe see if they can build some sort of competition heading into the postseason. I mean, the assumption, right, is that you brought in Flurry to kind of shore things up a little bit, um, make him your your postseason starter. You're talking about a guy whose name's on the on the cup three different times. Um, but Cam Talbot's not making this decision easy um, by any stretch of the imagination here. And so it'll be interesting to see how the, the next month goes uh, and if that factors in at all and, and they do something maybe unexpected and, and use Cam Talbot for, you know, the start of the postseason. If he continues to play the way he is, it, it's hard to keep him out of the net. And in Montreal, certainly the fans have been having some reason to cheer as this club has uh, played much more competitively under their new coach. We've highlighted that. But really, there's still got to be a concern when, when some of their signature players are, are sporting huge minuses. Like you look at Nick Suzuki, a minus 21. He's their club's leading scorer, but he's giving it all back and then some with those numbers. And certainly they're pinning hopes on him continuing to evolve as one of the better two-way centers. I would say he has still got a little bit of way to go in that regard. But uh, Cole Caulfield closing the gap rapidly on on the rookie scoring leadership, that's an intriguing situation. You wonder how close he's going to get to the top guys should he continue this run. That's uh, reason enough to tune into the Canadians' games going forward. But uh, right behind him, Josh Anderson has got an interesting line. He's got 16 goals, 10 assists, and he's played a lot of power play time in 54 games played. This is who he is, and he's got minus 21 as well. This is who this player is. He's got all the size and all the skill that I like to see, but there's something, a little something missing in his game. And so uh, he's got to find it to, to remain a signature player on this team going forward. But they have to be heartened by the fact that Christian Dvorak's back in the fold and uh, at center. He's, he's manning the second-line center role with some success, four points in his last four games played. And Chris Weidman is showing up as maybe the next power play linchpin on the quarterback situation on the back end. He's an offense first defenseman as shown by a five point week that he compiled last week, but he's got a guard against giving it all back. Like some of the other players that we've mentioned here in terms of the plus minus going forward, that's the next stage of Montreal's development. Well, New Jersey is another team that played games this week. Um, (laughs) They, uh, you know, they had just two games over this last week, some, some time, just quirk of the schedule. They had some extra days off here. Uh, Most of their offense over those two games came from Jack Hughes, which, you know, you kind of expect. Uh, He had three goals uh, in those contests. They only had five total between those two games. So obviously, um, you know, really being the the driver of the offense there, Damon Severson and Jasper Brad getting the other two there for them. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's really not much more to say. It looks like Andrew Hammond is getting close to potentially being back uh, or rather debuting for them. I would expect they'll give him some games. And, you know, Mackenzie Blackwood continues to be forever close to returning to the lineup. I would imagine at some point they'll give him, you know, if he's cleared, they'll give him some games just to kind of shake off the rust now before heading into the offseason. But um, I think if I'm if I'm a fan of the Devils, I'm kind of most interested to see in what Andrew Hammond, you know, can bring 
is is he maybe the veteran backup that would be the answer um, to being behind Mackenzie Blackwood next year? I, I think this is his opportunity to to prove that. And in Nashville, AJ, except for a couple of injuries on the back end to Dante Fabro and Mark Rowicki that are going to keep these two veterans out of the lineup for a bit. Uh, this is all hands on deck. They're very healthy right now. And uh, UC Saros is another one of these workhorse goalies. I seem to be getting a, a bit of a theme going with these workhorse goalies that fall into my part of this analysis this week. He's another guy that's, that's appearing uh, almost every night in the nets and might be due for a bit of a break uh, as evidenced by some of the uh, increasing numbers that are showing up on his ledger of late. He appeared in all three games in 2 on one week for this club, but gave up uh, a total of 11 goals. That's a few more than he'd like on a weekly basis, maybe almost double what he normally would give up in that term. And so he's probably a guy that's that's got to hold up his hand and maybe let Big Save Dave take a game or two to dispel him a little bit. But yeah, I like what I'm seeing from some of the guys that are not the frontline players, but certainly soon will be. I look at Jano, uh, a rookie performer here. He, he's got a lot of physicality to his game and scored four points as well last week. That's He's been producing in a top six role for several weeks and is among the top rookies again this season. And uh, he's actually now dropping into a third line role as they shuffled back a little bit. Luke Coonan kind of taking his spot on the second line. So looking for more depth on this club going forward. Yakov Trenin also in a third line role has produced some offense for the club in the last week. And that's heartening as uh, you like to see scoring from the bottom six of your roster showing up uh, on a regular basis as it is in Nashville. This is a team that was known to us more as a defense first club, but we've talked about it all year long. Their offense has come a long way and it's got a lot to do with the resurgence of veterans, Johansson and uh, Duchesne, as well as the development of a couple of the young guys that I just mentioned. For the, the Islanders here, they've got some serious concerns starting to add up on the blue line here. Uh, started obviously with Scott Mayfield, who's going to be back maybe for the last week or so of the season. Sebastian Ajo has been out for a little while. And now Andy Green and Adam Pellich both were labeled game time calls ahead of tonight's game. So very banged up team. Not to mention the fact that Ilya Sorokin won't be available tonight. He's still dealing with uh, an injury, an upper body injury as well. Um, so, yeah, that's not good news for the, the Islanders in, in terms of uh, their health on the back end here. Could be an opportunity to target other teams going up against them if they're rolling out a young uh, young defensive core from having to call some guys up. Uh, might be an opportunity to, to capitalize there and, and take a look at that. On the offensive side of the puck, they've actually had some pretty decent uh, production out of guys like Brock Nelson with six points. Anthony Bolivier, four points, uh, Parisi a pair of goals, Bailey a pair of goals. So they are getting some offensive contributions here. Um, but I just wonder if they're just a little bit too dinged up on the back end to be, you know, too competitive in, in some of their upcoming games here. Well, AJ, in New York, I mean, you've got a good look at this club in the last couple of weeks, maybe too good for your liking, to be honest. But uh, they've, they've, yeah, they've shown it at both ends of the rink all season long, and that's why they're one of the top clubs in the Eastern Conference. They had a great week last week going 4-0. and Shesterkin bouncing back from his uh, struggles from the prior week, I would say, when he had maybe his worst season, week of the season. But he picked up two wins, and allowing only three goals against. Georgiev spelled in the other games the two wins, and he gave up eight goals against. So that 
That implies that they got a lot of goal scoring, and in fact, they certainly did. Chris Kreider making a case as one of the top goal scorers in the league, having a career best season, though his numbers looked like a Cy Young with uh, all the big goal totals and a handful of assists on the year. Uh, it's okay, they'll take that because they've got guys that'll set him up, including Artemi Panarin, who has to have the quietest 80-point season I've ever seen uh, with, with the season he's put together. But he has been their signature player for a few years, and he's making a case to say, I'm still here, I'm still the top dog. In fact, their leading point getter on the season, seven points to his ledger last week. Alexi Lafreniere has been afforded an opportunity to be very well insulated in the top six here, and finally showing some steady offensive returns with two goals and one help for himself. And it doesn't hurt to have guys dishing the puck like Zibanejad and Zuccarello, two of the best playmakers around. They each had five assists last week. Concern is only uh, around the situation with Brian Strom. He's a guy that has been a top six guy, a second line center much of the season for this club. He's out with a lower body injury right now. There's no real timetable for his return, though he's listed as day to day. But in his stead, Andrew Kopp, who has been recently acquired here, has made a nice debut. We talked about a couple of guys that struggled in their debuts. This is not one of them. cop has got two goals to show for his, his record, as well as three assists in the past week, and fitting in like a glove among the top six in New York's lineup is uh, his uh, call to duty. It was a 1-1-1 one, one, and one week for Ottawa here. Uh, the primary driver of the offense, Brady Tichuk, with a trio of goals in those three games. Delzato, Norris, and Stutzley all picked up three assists apiece. Um, so there are some some spots you can take in terms of guys that you can still use in, um, in fantasy here. And you look at the week ahead, you've got Detroit twice, Montreal, and then followed up by Nashville. I mean, these are some certainly winnable games for the Ottawa Senators. So you know, keep an eye on on those guys. Um, you know, to Chuck Norris and, and Batherson are that are that first line, and I think any one of them could offer some really good value. To Chuck, you know, was going to cost you more in in terms of daily here than those other two guys, but I think they have some really solid opportunities coming up um, to get some fantasy value out of them. And and honestly, you know, if you're in a, a daily lineup league. Um, you probably have to chuck in there anyway, but maybe, you know, maybe you set your lineup for, for Friday or for Sunday um, to include, you know, a couple more senators here, even, you know, even if your weekly lineup set and you set those weekly lineups on Sunday, Detroit, Montreal, uh, Nashville, and the Rangers, um, obviously those last two games are going to be tougher, but, uh, I think even season long, maybe consider some of these guys just for the upcoming couple of games here that they've got that really do have, have some good opportunities. You know, obviously you have to decide what to do when, you know, when your lineup is set. But I think there's a possibility Ottawa could offer some value in the coming week. Beyond that, I, I don't know if you really want to carry beyond that. They've still got matchups with Boston, Toronto, Florida um, on the docket as well. Yeah, if you want to look for DFS value, you might want to look at who's playing in net against Philadelphia over the next little while. They've really changed things up, and it's audi- full-blown audition time on this roster when you consider that that Max Willman is getting a look in top six minutes. He produced a couple of goals last week. And on the right side, Travis Konechny finally starting to light it up. But behind him, they're hoping that Aust- Owen Tippett starts to show some offense. Joel Faraday's now in a first-line role. That's, that's a first uh, 
and at the center position. Kevin Hayes, uh, what can you say about the poor guy? He lost his brother at the beginning of the season, and he's just trying to get through this year. Morgan Frost in the third hole is another guy, top prospect that they had at center. So they're hoping that the likes of Frost and uh, Max Willman can can be kind of the next generation in Philadelphia, and that's what we're getting a bit of a preview on. And even on the blue line, Cam York is getting a first-line pairing role with Ivan Provorov, so uh, it's uh, see what what they can do uh, on the real, the big stage here in the NHL, but don't look for any big long winning streaks for this team. They're going to be up against it, particularly if they're playing the Giants in the, in this conference the rest of the way, and it's only going to be hampered by the fact that in goal, Carter Hart's out with a day-to-day with an injury that's undisclosed, but uh, he, he will miss some time, and that means more of Martin Jones, and he's not the long-term answer here in the Nets. He's had a typical Martin Jones year. Goals against is upward up, up at 3.4 per game in 31 appearances, so you know that's what we've seen out of him for the last couple of years. In fact, as I look at it, it's his worst goals against average as a pro in the NHL, so his trajectory is going the wrong way, and uh, it's not going to be helped by the current landscape and the current roster setup in Philly. So let's take a break as we normally would once we've talked about the Flyers and get AJ all warmed up to talk about his favorite club. We'll be back uh, right after these messages to hear the rest of the show, beginning with that Pittsburgh outlook and then leading us into the DFS portion of our show uh, and of course the windup. So you're listening to Statsman and AJ, Rotowire Signature NHL Hockey Pod. We'll be back right after these messages. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash blue wire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. All right, we're back, but let's get a reminder from my pal, A.J. Scholes, on ways for our listeners to reach out to us during the upcoming week. Yeah, absolutely. We are always uh, interested in your comments, questions, uh, and we love interacting with all of our uh, listeners on Twitter. Um, as Paul mentioned off the top, you can follow me at A.J. Scholes24, and you can follow Paul, the Stassman, at Stassman22. Now, speaking of ways to potentially interact and talk to us um, for for our podcast. We are looking at the possibility of uh, starting with the postseason here of going live with these podcasts um, on. Uh, it, it would be live on YouTube there for you, so you'd be able to watch us and honestly submit your comments and questions in real time. We can actually uh, see those and perhaps answer those as we go along. And this uh, is something I know Paul and I are really excited about. Um, if you're an audio listener only and you check us out on those platforms, this won't change anything for you. Um, we'll still have it available in the, the audio format. We'd just be adding potentially the live video component um, as well. So we're really excited about this. The best way to find out when we're doing that and, and everything there is to follow us on Twitter at AJSholes24 and Paul the Statsman at Statsman22. AJ, we're gonna to have to get dressed up if we have we do these shows. I'm I'm naked right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh God, <laughs> he, I can confirm, folks. He is not. I can actually ah, see, ah, I can ah. see Paul. That is not the case. <laughs> I'm just get trying to get us an R rating here. Pal. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I uh, I wanted to make you smile before you start talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins and tell me what's going on there. I know that. You have to be happy that Evgeny Malkin is, is back and rolling right now. But uh, the team went one and two last week. Tell me why. Yeah, I mean, because they can't beat the Rangers. That's really the the issue here. Um, you know, the the one win was the 11-2 shellacking of, of Detroit. But uh, unfortunately, they uh, uh, also lost two games to to the Rangers. And, and really, it came down to, in my opinion, it came down to uh, – 
turnovers that they weren't able to, um, you know, stem the tide on those. And then as a result, you saw, um, sorry, uh, you saw the uh, uh, Rangers really take it to them. They were able to capitalize on those turnovers and, and go, um, you know, the other way and score goals. And they had a plenty of odd man rushes and, and that. So, um, in terms of, you know, kind of injury news here, it looks like Jason Zucker going to be back in the lineup tonight. They're going to put him uh, on that second line. So it'll be a whole new look here with because Zucker's been out for like 34 games, something like that. So he'll take the left wing, Melkin in the center, and then Ricard Raquel going to move to the right-hand side here. That does also mean that Jake Gensel, Sidney Crosby, and Brian Rust will be reunited on that top line. Leaves you with Evan Rodriguez, Jeff Carter, and Kasperi Kapanen as the third. Look, um, Zucker had some struggles. He had just six goals in, in 30-some games. They they obviously want more out of him. But I'm hoping that the addition of Raquel alongside Malkin here can, can give them some additional, uh, you know, juice on that line and, and really turn things around for them. So, um, I, I like it to start. I would say Zucker probably has a pretty short leash in terms of holding on to that spot without uh, without potentially getting knocked out of there. Um, you know, Kapanen could be moved back. They could slide Jeff Carter up there to wing. They've done that a couple times if, if Jason Zucker is not up to, up to par right now. And, AJ, it's audition time in Seattle. This is an expansion team that is really, we've said it over and over, they've looked like an expansion team for much of the season. And right now, there are a couple of guys that I want to focus on in terms of maybe getting a chance. Is it last chance for Victor Rask? We've talked about him. His career started well with four seasons where he was almost around the 20 goal mark, certainly threatening that in every season, but then injuries came up and bit him and he hasn't recovered from that in the last three. And so he did score when his uh, first few games with Seattle, he did find a way to get a goal and he's locked into a second line role here. So he has the opportunity to play with a pretty good center. When you consider Yanni Gord comes out of Tampa with that pedigree as a depth player, but getting second line minutes here and uh, certainly a guy who should be able to feed Rask at, uh, with regularity. But on the other flank too, they got Carlson, Carlson Kuhlman, who was limited in Boston just because he was behind the depth chart there behind several stars. And so now he gets a chance to play top six minutes on, on an expansion team. So it like Philadelphia, this is an audition circumstance. You wonder what the youngsters will, youngster will do with that opportunity. Jared McCann has moved down to a third line role on the wing. I'm kind of surprised at this, but maybe it's just to make room for some of the other guys to show what they can do. McCann has been the best player on this team all season long, in my opinion. And uh, Daniel Strong is another guy that I should mention in the same breath as Victor Rask getting a look on the left side but and, and scoring last week, but uh, he's, he's challenged on the depth chart here, and he, he has to make a better case for himself to get more minutes. I think that's the only thing limiting him because I see him as an offense first player, and this is a team that's offense starved. Sometimes you got to give up the opportunity to focus on defense when you're that starved for offense, and, and this guy is a guy that I point to on this roster who might be a surprise contributor if they give him a chance. On the back end, Jamie Alexiak is a guy that I think is wallowing here, sadly. He only had a 15-point season. I think his trajectory was headed in the other direction before he came here. He was looking good in Dallas, had a nice playoff run with them a couple years ago. 
but uh, to turn turn for the worst this season on him. And uh, the, the plus minus is decent, which is maybe a mitigating factor, the fact that we haven't seen the offense that I expected out of this player this season to date. Well, yeah, Paul, you mentioned, uh, you know, audition time, and, and that's also obviously the case in, in San Jose as well. You look at the roster makeup, uh, courtesy of our friends at, at Cap Friendly, you'll find five players currently on the roster right now who are on entry-level deals. Um, so obviously they're doing what they can to try and earn uh, bigger next contracts. Uh, guys like Ryan Merkley, who f- frankly has outplayed uh, Radam Simic and has forced his way into the alignment. Simic's been a, he- a healthy scratch for the last couple of games there for them. Um, so yeah, well, you know, it's, it's similar here. Who can show, you know, show me what you're capable of and, and go from there. Uh, and obviously they want to get a look at Capo Kakinen, who they traded for trying to figure out if, if he's the, the answer between the nets, you know, obviously James Reimer, they, they know what they have there. They've never really, nor has anybody really gotten a good long look at Aiden Hill. He just seems to be banged up all the time. So there's a lot more questions in, in San Jose in, in, in terms of their roster moving forward and figuring out who's part of the long-term uh, solution for them. And in St. Louis, they have a question in goal long term because they have committed big money to Jordan Bennington, but they have a coach who doesn't play by those rules. He doesn't look at the salary situation, looks at who's hot and who's not. And Craig Berube, a no-nonsense guy, has turned to Ville Husso for a long while this season. He played in three of the four games last week, giving up nine goals against in those three tilts, winning two of them, and that's the bottom line. And that's one reason why St. Louis continues to rise in the standings. I said, keep an eye on this club, AJ. And all of a sudden, they're in third place with inhaling distance of second in that division. And uh, it's a pretty healthy squad going forward. They've only got a couple of nicks, bumps and bruises in the bottom six of their roster here. Tory Krug is a bit of a concern being out day to day, but they expect to get him back in the fold. They got all the tools to make a run at the, at the, in the postseason. So I certainly wouldn't want to be facing them, particularly if Vladimir Tarasenko is healthy. He picked up three goals and one assist to lead this offense last week. And then David Perron is a guy who can lead this club at, uh, for periods of time, for long stretches. It appears that he's in the middle of one right now at another four-point week to his mark. And uh, he has kind of – they've both kind of covered up the fact that Jordan Cairo's kind of gone the other way, AJ. So it seems to be that they always have a couple of guys that are ready to carry this offense and a wealth of options because uh, they can certainly roll three very quality offensive lines. And they've got some some talent on the blue line and a hot goalie in Huso. So all the, rest of, all the parts of the recipe for – a good-looking playoff team and a team that's won the Cup recently. This is scary out the same with Lewis Club, I think. Well, in Tampa Bay, uh, what more can we say? I mean, they've got all the offensive pieces. They're the two-time defending champions. Um, so I'm going to take this opportunity and, and use it to talk a little bit about uh, the Vesna Trophy race here, for which Andre Vasilevsky absolutely will be in the mix here. I figure there's probably give or take – depending on your criteria, there's probably five, maybe six guys that are in the mix for this at the end of the season, the way I see it. Vasilevsky leads the way with wins. He's got 34 of them with Tristan Jari and UC Saros uh, just shortly behind them. Jacob Markstrom has 31 wins, so a little bit lower 
Um, he does have a higher save percentage at 925 than, than uh, any of those three aforementioned guys and also nine shutouts on the year. Um, so I would certainly put him in there as well. As I mentioned, UC Saros right there with the wins. He's the only one of kind of the guys I've mentioned here with goals against average above two and a half. Um, so there's, you know, any number of these guys, I think, is capable of winning it. Um, I haven't even mentioned Igor Shesterkin, who has kind of the highest save percentage of all these guys at 937. The wins are two behind Vasilevsky there. Um, and, and on the shorter side of the shutouts with with three, if there's a knock on Vasilevsky for Vesna, it is those shutout numbers. He does only have two of them um, on the year. So these are the guys that I, that I think will probably be in the mix. Um if you want to throw a, a wrench in there for a reason not to vote for Shesterkin, it's the fact that he's got the lowest games played. Um, Vasilevsky, Jari, Saros, and Markstrom are all up over 50 games right now. Shesterkin just at 43. Um, and I'm sure people in Carolina would certainly make a, a, a case for Freddie Anderson. People down in Florida would probably play uh, make a run for, for Sergei Bobrovsky. But for me, it kind of comes down right now to Vasilevsky, Jari, Saros, and and Markstrom, um, and Shesterkin. So that's how I see the Vesna Trophy race. I figured we don't need to harp on all the reasons that Tampa has that they'll defend uh, and win a third in a row. They're certainly poised to do that. So let's uh, talk a little bit uh, end-of-season trophy there. Very good. They were three and four, three out of four on the last week. That's why you can say wash, rinse, repeat in Tampa. And uh, a team that hopes to emulate that someday i dream of those days is to toronto maple leafs they went two and one last week and uh, over the last couple of weeks they've mixed in some very good efforts against some very good teams while offsetting that with some very poor efforts against some very bad teams lucky for them they're not going to face bad teams in the playoffs so i hope the, that the trend continues that they play well against the good clubs they certainly did that last week and picking up two wins and looking full value for both of them. There were divisional wins, too, against Florida and Boston, the loss against Montreal. But Montreal plays like like gladiators when they face the club, so that's par for the course. By the time most of our listeners get around to listening to this, they'll realize that there's a 50-goal score in the NHL. I'm betting a lot of money that Austin Matthews makes the grade. He's sitting at 49 as we speak on Thursday afternoon, but they got a game tonight, and I'm sure he's going to score against Winnipeg at some point in this evening's contest to get to that 50-goal mark the first time in his career. A remarkable player for the club. But is he the head and shoulders MVP? We've touched about that on that with Edmonton. Certainly, you can't take anything away from Mitch Marner, who's led the entire league in points scoring. And a big part of that is he, he's also scoring goals, a lot of them. He's, he's got a career-high 28 under his belt already and that's in 57 games played so uh upwards of a 40 game pace a 40 goal pace for him when the guy's known more as a playmaker uh he and matthews both threatening to get uh well matthews should top the 100 point mark easily at his pace but marner might get there too he needs 24 in the remaining 17 16 games and the way he's going that's not out of the question but uh i'm curious because I hear so much criticism about John Tavares. I've heard it all season long. He's sitting there with 63 points in 65 games to me, doing what he's always done. And uh, what's hampered him is, is that Willie Nylander couldn't check his coat. Uh, and that's, that's hampered the second line in general, where their defensive liabilities have been exposed much of the season. But you can't, can't, can't quarrel with the offense you're getting from both of these players. You just hope that they can tighten things up 
And a big help in that regard is Mark Giordano, AJ. Some of these newfangled stats that I don't really understand are really showing his value to this team in the early going. They've managed two, two out of three shots that have been taken while, while he's on the ice. So for every two shots the Leafs get, they're giving up only one when, when Giordano's on the ice. That's a ratio that you'll take all year long. And the veteran's been a key part of that. He's also been able to elevate the game of Timothy Lilligren, and that's a young defenseman who will benefit from the wise owl that uh, Giordano is. So things are looking up. And even better news in the Nets, Jack Campbell is deemed cleared to play. So you'll see Eric Jalgren uh, in the Nets tonight, but I think you can expect that Campbell will be in, in uh, between the pipes on Saturday. The Vancouver Canucks went 1-2-1 one, and one this last week, which, to be perfectly blunt, they just can't afford to do at this point. Um, they're fifth in, in the wild card race here, so that puts them five points behind the Golden Knights. Uh, and that's not to mention the fact that Dallas has five or four games rather in hand on both Vegas and Vancouver. Winnipeg in there as well with uh, a game in hand. So they, they are going to be very hard-pressed to be a factor in there, and they can't afford one, two, and one weeks. They got decent production out of uh, uh, Marcus, uh, not Marcus Pedersen. That's <laughs> if he had this kind of production, it'd be great. Elias Pedersen, rather, um, uh, had a really, really good week. Uh, four goals, one assist. JT Miller with four points as well. Oliver Ekman Larson chipping in a trio of helpers uh, there. They're not really deep in terms of the scoring. I mean, you're talking um, pretty much Patterson, Miller, Ekman, Larson, Horvat, Garland, Hughes. Um, that's that's about it in terms of anybody that had more than one point this last week. And, and those are the guys that are going to make up their their you know their top six and kind of their top offensive pairing there. Uh, so they need they definitely need to get some more out of the bottom half of this lineup here. Um, and, and Thatcher Demko's numbers were fine. I, I would put more of this on the offense. Nine, seven, nine, one, seven rather was the save percentage. It's not great, but it's not bad. They did use Yaroslav Halak in a game that didn't go quite as well. Three goals allowed on, on 20, uh, 28 shots. So I would expect this is one of those where we could see a lot more Thatcher Demko down the stretch here. If they're going to try and, you know, make a push to, to qualify for the postseason. Well, and we talked about value to a team. Look at what Vegas has got out of Logan Thompson. This guy's been on a roll for them in the Nets and really salvaged uh, the hopes of this club to possibly get into the playoffs, I'll say. He's been that good for them, picking up a shutout last week as part of a 3-0 week on the season, on the week it was for this club. They have, of course, a lengthy injury list, and you hope that for, for fans of the club and for Team Fortunes that some of these guys can come back sooner than later but they also have the chore of holding up uh, some teams in the opposite division in, in the hopes to ga- gather a wild card berth uh, if if the Vegas club should falter. And uh, they have games in hand. A couple of clubs have the games in hand on Vegas, so they got to make good with the schedule that remains. They have to be buoyed by the fact that Robin Leonard is coming off the injured reserve and he will likely take, well, there's no doubt if he's healthy, he's going to take that and run with it as long as he can to keep this team in the hunt and hold on to that playoff spot. But they have to be pleased by the fact that some of their veteran guys have really delivered throughout this stretch. I'm talking about Chandler Stevenson with a five-point week and Jonathan Marchessault with a seven-point week to lead this offense. I have to give my props to these guys because they are guys that are not considered the signature players here. 
by a long shot, but those signature guys are not healthy. And you have quality in here, particularly Stevenson. He was maligned for being a first-line center here, but he performed admirably when those guys were healthy up front to join him. And he's been a steady point producer all season long. And uh, kudos to him for keeping it up when they need him the most. And, uh, of course, uh, you look at Evgeny Dadonov. He picked up five points on the week and might go down as the best non-trade that happened at the trade deadline certainly some of the best deals you make are the ones that you don't pull off and this guy is the poster boy for that right now so the offense is delivered the goaltending has been stabilized by thompson and uh, leonard coming off the ir it's good news as good as it's been for this club uh, for much of the season for the washington capitals uh look i cannot be the only one that is uh maybe surprised and, and disappointed in marcus johansson's production since joining the team pointless in all four games with them just four shots on net um you know and that's that's with you know especially in their last game pretty significant power play opportunities like he's not with the number one unit um but he's getting minutes uh, to, to play with, with the man advantage. So I would expect more out of him. Um, obviously, the entire collective capital fan base took a, uh, you know, uh, a breath today when uh, Alex Ovechkin was deemed uh, absent from practice, but the team quickly ruled it a maintenance day. I wouldn't expect that to be anything to concern yourselves over if you are uh, a fantasy owner of Ovechkin's or a, a member of the uh, Capitals faithful there. So nothing to really worry about there. It's just a matter of, you know, can they potentially um, catch Boston for the top wild card spot or even uh, the Penguins for, for third in the Metro? And I'm not sure getting to the number one wild card spot is a reward right now. I think, uh, I think you would play, they would play Carolina right now, but if they caught Boston, then they'd play Florida um, I guess between the two, I would probably rather play Florida, but really the the real prize would be to catch the Penguins and get a first round matchup with the Rangers, who you know obviously there are no easy paths through the the Eastern Conference, but uh, I guess I would rather play the Rangers than either of the other aforementioned teams. So that's their goal, that's their task here heading into the final month of the season. Um, it's going to be a lot of the usual suspects leading the way like uh, Ovechkin, Mantha, Kuznetsov, Backstrom, and they're going to need to get something out of Marcus Johansson here at some point. Well, earlier in the show, we highlighted the race in the Western Conference and two threats to Vegas's fourth place standing and first wild card, uh, wild card position. They hang in the balance here. That's second wild card, sorry. They hang in the balance here, and Winnipeg is another team that will challenge uh, Vegas the rest of the way. The, the Jets have a game in hand. They only trail uh, Vegas by two points. So uh, if they beat the Maple Leafs, they'd be in a position to grab uh, that tie, at least temporarily in the standings and uh, level up with games played pending uh, Vegas's schedule the rest of the way. But uh, the news in Winnipeg is kind of mixed. They certainly are seeing a resurgence in Mark Shifley's play. He's been one of their scoring leaders, as you would expect, after a bit of a lull. He picked up five points last week. And Blake Wheeler, the same can be said with four, his four-point week, Josh Morrissey has emerged as the number one guy on the blue line in terms of scoring points of late, kept that up with two goals and one helper, and, and has now uh, taken over from Neil Keonk in terms of that power play quarterback situation. 
at least based on the latest information. But on the downside, they will be without Connor, uh, Kyle Connor for a while. He produced three points on the last week and is uh, plus uh, over the 40 goal mark on the season. But he's dealing with COVID right now, and that will sideline him for, you would think, at least a week. And you hope that it's not a debilitating case for sure to get him back in the lineup as quickly and as healthily as possible. And not only that, on the back end, Nate Schmidt is similarly out of the lineup. This guy's one of the better two-way defensemen in the league as well. And uh, this is a team that starred for production on the back end. Schmidt has provided it as long as he's been here. But uh, Neil Pionk's season has not gone as well as it, it could have been been expected in normal times. He's been relegated to third pairing minutes as well. So really, the spotlight is on Morrissey to continue delivering the goods because there's no real other credible option on the back end here. So offense is uh, is definitely potentially wanting for a club that we don't normally attribute that situation to. And uh, with that, we uh, turn our attention, AJ, now to the DFS portion of our show where we get to put lineups together. And I got to be kicking myself because last week I made a, a typing error. I put in the wrong goalie that kept me out of the money. The goalie announced on our show got me, would have got me in the money, but I made the wrong pick and it cost me. So just a reminder to our listeners, make sure review your lineups before you, uh, before you get off the site and and do it right, because it's cost me now twice this year in the winter circle. So I, I regret that, but hope to get back in there with my lineup. Can't wait for you to hear it, but I'm anxious, just as anxious to hear yours, AJ. Tell me what you got on the DraftKings uh, platform. Yeah, so I'm going to start off, uh, go big or go home, right? And so I'm going to use Nathan McKinnon, 8,700, returning to the lineup. Uh, obviously, um, you know, missed the, the last game, but it's Colorado playing at home. They're going up against San Jose. It's a really good matchup. He's been, um, you know, a, a key piece uh, of their offense, will continue to be. Uh, so, yeah, just going to start off right off the bat and, and go right at it with with Nathan McKinnon there. And then I'm going to go with a, a bit of a, a mini stack here from the Carolina Hurricanes. Sebastian Ajo comes in at 6,400, uh, 6, rather, uh, going up again, home game against Montreal. Um, that top line has been a huge uh, producer for, in fact, for his part, Ajo is currently on a five-game point streak, uh, three goals over that stretch. And I'll pair him up with Tuvo Teravainen, comes in at 5,200. Um, he doesn't have a lot of goals. In fact, he hasn't scored a goal in his last 11 games. So I understand that there's some concerns there. But he's got assists in five straight, including two games in which he had a pair of helpers. Um, so he's finding ways to produce. So I figure you pair him up. Even if Ajo gets is the one that's getting the goals, Teravainen should pick up the assists. It really seems like they're they're gelling um, well there. Uh, from that point, I'm going to go with a couple guys that are in good spots to potentially produce and aren't going to break the bank. I start with Carter Verhage, 4400 for Florida. He's playing. You know, he's the third piece. I mentioned all those those Panthers pairs, if you will, on the lines. He's the third piece on the top line with Barkov and Sam Reinhardt. Uh, again, another home game with a weaker opponent going up against the Chicago Blackhawks. So a good way to capitalize on that. And then I mentioned Jason Zucker going to be back in the lineup for the Penguins tonight. He's just 2,500. Um, I think his production this year certainly warrants that price tag. But let's not forget, he spent seven years with the Minnesota Wild. This is actually his first game back um, from when he was traded. So there'll be kind of the emotional component to it. 
um, and, and a good opportunity to, to use him. I will pair him up as well in my utility spot here of Genny Malkin, 6,200. I figure those two should form a pretty dynamic duo. Uh, again, a, a tough matchup. They're on the road going up against Minnesota. We've talked about how good the goaltenders have been. Cam Talbot gets the start tonight. Um, so it's not an easy matchup, but if anything, that could shoot to lower the, the drafted percentage for both those guys. Uh, so it might be a good opportunity to have a bit of a contrarian play there. Defensively, uh, I'll start with Devin Tays for Colorado, get another piece of the, the avalanche here. He comes in at 5,800. I can't quite afford to pay up for Kale McCarr, so I, I'll take Taves instead. He's going to probably be um, on the back on the number two unit with uh, McKinnon having rejoined the lineup here, um, but he'll see plenty of opportunities. You know, he's got three assists in his in his last two games, um, two of those coming with the man advantage. Again, he'll be with the second unit, not the first one, so that is certainly something to consider. My other defenseman is Jake Bean for Columbus, twenty six hundred bucks. Now that might seem uh, like a straight punt here. Um, but actually, Bean's numbers have been okay uh, since he's returned from in, uh, injury. Rather, he's played 11 games, 16 shots, five points, and a ton of ice time uh, with the man advantage there. 130 uh, per game with with the power play. That's only going to be bumped a little bit with Wierenski being out of the lineup. His minutes in general should be a little bit higher. Um, so I like him as a decent floor, given those shots. It's, you know, ideally for 11 games, I, I'd rather it be closer to 22, 23. Um, but those shots are there at more than one a game. The blocks are right about one a game. So a decent floor for a guy that's only going to cost you 2,600. And with those power play opportunities, um, he easily could pick up a helper. And then in between the nets, I know I didn't mention using any any Calgary players tonight. Um, and, and maybe that's not quite the best strategy here, but I do like Jacob Markstrom in this one, 8,100. I'm just hesitant to pay for the top of the board here. Um, the matchups are great. Obviously, Freddie Anderson and, and Sergei Bobrovsky would lead the, the way in terms of price tag, but I just don't want to pay that high. And so I think Markstrom's probably the next best goalie at home um, going up against LA, who's been struggling of late. So while I didn't use any other flames to build up my lineup, I do anticipate that they can win this game tonight and, and Jacob Markstrom can get the win. Well, AJ, my lineup is going to be a, look a little bit different from yours. And uh, that's a departure from last few weeks. We've been in lockstep. But I, I looked to the teams that I think are going to be favored to win their games and and the players who are performing well for each of those clubs. Obviously, I, I, I also look at it now and I picked all home ice players, players that will be playing in their home ranks. So that's a factor that might bode well for me as well. I'll begin by saying, I'll go from the net out, a bit of a flip from what you did and what we normally do. I'm going to go with Linus Ulmark. I think the Boston Bruins are a team that were stung by the the defeat that the Leafs hung on them. Even their one of their uh, loyal play-by-play guy, Jack Edwards, who was the biggest homer in hockey, as far as I know, <laughs> he had to say, this one stung, and it did. And I think the Bruins will wear that tonight on the ice. Allmark will be the beneficiary. He comes in at $8,000 even. You'll face a New Jersey club that has signature pieces offensively and Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer that will threaten him. But beyond that, I think the pickings are slim for this offense. And I like the Bruins' chances of pulling off a, a nice, easy win with low goals against. 
Then going to the defense, I always go hunting AJ, you know, for, for a guy who's going to play top pairing or second pairing minutes, and Randor gets a look on the power play. These guys are both qualify. Hampus Lindholm for the Bruins is a guy who's had a quiet start offensively for this club. I think tonight's a chance for him to break out against New Jersey. I, I question their goaltending, and I think he could be a guy that, that finally benefits from that. He costs $4,000 even. And I think Oliver Shillington for Calgary is a guy that I really liked in BFS play whenever his name can, comes up. I get him for cheap, and he usually produces. I expect the same thing to happen. He catches an LA, LA team that's playing well, but they are on the second of back-to-backs, a tough back-to-back in the province of Alberta, and uh, the Calgary Flames will be waiting for them tonight, and Chillington should capitalize on that and the second-string goaltending that will be opposing him with Cal Pedersen in the, in the Nets. Then I go up front. I'll start with the center positions, and I'll look for a guy who's been centering the top-scoring uh, forward line in hockey uh, this season. That, that's Elias Lindholm in Calgary. Uh, with that dynamic offense and the line that he centers, he comes in at $8,100, a shade lower than some of the, the big names on the board. And so I'll gladly plug him in for that matchup. I will pair him with Sam Bennett, who is relegated to what they say is third line role for Florida. But make no mistake, they don't make too much of a difference in terms of playing time between first, second, and third lines. Bennett will get a look on the power play as well, a very potent one, in fact. And he's been scoring regularly, comes in at only $6,400. I'll pair him with his line mate, Anthony Duclair, another guy who gets power play minutes as well. And he comes in at only 5,900 minutes. So that's a mini Florida stack. I question Chicago's goaltending since uh, the departure of the flower in the nets. And that should be an advantage that plays into Florida's hands. One of the better home ice teams in the league. Then I look to the Boston Bruins again, picking up David Pasternak. I don't have to say more about this guy's scoring ability. We've covered it at length all season long. But it really struck me that when they lined up on the power play, they looked eerily similar to the Washington power play where they feature Ovechkin. Pasternak featured the same way, and he gets open all the time. I think tonight he's going to go wild in, in a matchup against the Devils and lead the Bruins attack, and I'm happy to get him in the lineup, though it cost me 8500 bucks. I'll round up my squad, AJ. I take a piece of that game against Montreal. I can't avoid the mismatch that look, it looks like there. I I think that a stack idea that you had is, is a sensible one. Uh, Martin Netchkatch, though, not a part of, of the top scorers when you think about Carolina, but a, a guy who has fe- feasted on Montreal in the past, and I'm counting on that to continue. $4,800 his price tag. Finally, I can't say that I'm going to avoid the Maple Leafs entirely, can I? I will not. I'm going to pick Ilya Mikhaev. He's been uh, stellar in terms of his contributions of late. He's picking up goals at a regular basis. He's got a bit of a Cy Young line, though. Very few assists. I look for him to find another way to to bulge the twine tonight, and uh, he'll be featured uh, in second-line role, which boosts his value, only costing me $4,800. So that's the way my lineup looks. I think I I like the makeup of it, and I'll predict that I'll wind up in the winner's circle. But I think yours is going to be there too, AJ. I think we got given out some good advice today. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope so. I've uh, admittedly been in a, a bit of a, a slump. Um, I've had, you know, I've had players that, that I recommend that that go great and then a couple that go cold and it just hasn't been enough of uh, getting the right ones at, uh, together at the right time to put me over the cash line. So a bit of a slump, but hoping to break out of that and uh, get back into the, the cash. 
All right, pal. Well, we're into the final month of the regular season, and uh, this is where the score is shooting gets really serious. We saw evidence of it last week. I think it's only going to be ramped up, and I can't wait to see what's in store. A fine place for us to wrap up today's show, AJ, uh, with our look around the league on the podcast. And uh, we're getting close to the end of our sixth year together. This is uh, it's gone by in a flash, but it's been a lot of fun. Anyway, we've got uh, miles to go this season. And uh, in the meantime, as always, please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. You can follow AJ at AJSholz24. As always, we invite you to listen into our podcast program to get our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody.